This is an ASCII Live media production for the Manly Warringah Sea Eagles official podcast channel. This is the Golden Eagles podcast, hosted by Manly media manager Wayne Cousins, along with Sea Eagles Premiership winner and chairman of the Golden Eagles Association, Mark Bryant. Each week, Cuzzo and Boxy will be joined by a different Sea Eagles legend to relive some great moments from our proud history and to find out what each of the guys are up to now. The Golden Eagles podcast is proudly presented by Wormald, a classic sponsor of the mighty Manly Warringah Sea Eagles. Now over to Cuzzo and Boxy with this week's special guest. Boxy, we're back for another episode. Back for another episode, mate, talking to some more uh, legends of the club today, which is great. Well, when you speak about legends of the club, this special guest of ours today, two-time Premiership winning Manly Seagulls great, quality half, 5'8", the man himself is here, Alan Thompson. Alan, great to have you with yep, us. thank you, mate. How are you Box. been, mate? First of all, you looking well? Yeah, not bad for an old man, of course, <laughs> but... Uh... Yeah, still doing the best, best I can. Well, mate, we're going to go down memory lane and uh, oh, enjoy some uh, great moments of your wonderful career. Of course, uh, Alan Thompson played 263 first grade games boxy for the Manly Seagulls from 1973 to 1984. And of course, like I said, played in the uh, Premiership winning 76 and 78 grand final teams. And uh, Alan, first of all, congratulations on your career. But let's go back to the, uh, the beginning, the Narrabeen Sharks. Born and bred in Narrabeen. Tell us about the Narrabeen Sharks back in those days. Oh, geez. <laughs> I started, the youngest in those days was under 10s, and I was four. And I went and played with my brother, who was about five years older than me. So it took me like five years before I actually went up a grade. They started, you know, it was under 10s and under 9s next year, then under 8s and so forth. So it took us a long time to, for me to go up in the things. They used to put me on the wing or and... And stuff in the under tens, but uh, Lake Park was good. Still, still a uh, a strong club on the northern beaches now, um, and, and still do a lot of good stuff in the community oh, yeah. and, and a great uh, a great nursery for some you know some fantastic players that have come through there too. Well, it was voted uh, a great honour for you, Alan. Voted the Narrabeen Sharks' greatest ever player. Yeah, that was, geez, was a few years ago when that came out. Um, and I think Anthony Watmo, he played for Narrabeen Chuck as well. Chuck did, yep. Yeah, yeah, he did. I think he did. And, uh, you know, in the old days, you had blokes like Johnny Bliss, who, you know, was a beach sprint champion, was on the wing and so forth. You know, there have been a few old players from Narrabeen. Can I ask, when you were growing up as a young Narrabeen Sharks player, who were your idols in rugby league? <laughs> to tell you the truth, I had uh, some cousins. They're called the Balkans, and they were, you know, in the surf club, rowing the boats and played A grade and so forth. And one of them, after he, he used to go fight in the in the boxing rings at Brookie Show and stuff, you know. So they, they were sort of my heroes. You know? They were a bit, you know, they were 10 years older than me or 20 years older than me. So I didn't really get into footy at this level, probably into the late 60s, you know, Bozo would, would come in and stuff. And, uh, yeah, I can remember going to the 72 grand final and standing on a couple of empty cans. <laughs> yeah, at the cricket ground, you know. Yeah. Boxy still stands on a few empty cans these days. <laughs> <laughs> After I've drunk them, <laughs> normally, that's the, right. normally the Four Pines product. So uh, you talked about the 72. You, you remember going to that grand final. Of course, that was Manly's first ever premiership win in 
over the uh, Sydney, or well, well, we should say the Eastern Suburbs Roosters back then, 1914. But, uh, mate, uh, tell us about uh, the first time you were told you've earned a contract with the Manly Seagulls. Jeez, I don't know if I, no one ever said that to me <laughs> in those days. Just through your jersey. Yeah. Look, I, yeah, I was I was 19 and I'd, I'd, I'd come up and, and uh, went into the reserve grade. I played nine first grade games in my first year and, yeah, we'd, in the in the grand final, I'd, I'd played all the other games. Uh, Maxie Brown had come back, to, who'd been out injured and uh, we were in the reserve grade comp, won that as well. Uh, so there was no fresh reserves. Sat on the bench but didn't get on. Only one replacement in those days was Johnny Bucknell went on for Mal Reilly. And, um, you know, so, but I felt part of the 73 side. Obviously didn't play the game, but we won the reserve grade comp. And, you know, there was a big, big celebration back at the Loose Club. Back, back in those days too, when you used to win the reserve grade competition or the President's Cup or the under-21s, it was such a big moment for the club, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, I no, think that exactly I think right. any, any reserve grade, I won a comp with the Raiders when I was there in 2003. And just, uh, you know, winning at that level um, is great for any club. Yeah. Um, we won the, re- the 73 reserve grade comp and, you know, I, I sat on the bench, obviously. Yeah, uh, you know, the rules in those days didn't get on. Um, but it was a big celebration back at the Lewis Club for both grades. And um, as you say, it's, it's a bit different now. Uh, in those days, you know, we had, what, 60 players in in the club. You know, 40 of them would have been local juniors. You know, every Tuesday night we used to all train together. I think when we first started, we only used to do Tuesday, Thursday, and then probably 76 on we do Friday night. Right, the yeah. Leagues Club. You say, that, you know, the party back at the Leagues Club. You know, every, you know, or the, you know, the two grand finals that I played in for the club. The Leagues Club was probably the best experience. Um, when yeah. you get back there, packed with the fans, um, and regardless of whether it's a reserve grade comp or, or a first grade, I think it's you know just the feeling that you get with the fans back there. There's, I mean, there's been some some good parties have been had back at the good old Manly Leagues Club. <laughs> that's for sure. Oh bloody yeah. <laughs> well, what about what about the days too back in uh, the reserve grade in the uh, under twenties? Like I said, all the under twenty ones back in those days as well. Where I play, you, you had your number. So, you know, if you were number 24, you used to always wear that jersey, number 24, and yeah. fans could follow, oh, number 24 is Alan Thompson, and then he's made his way into reserve grade, and then all of a sudden he's into the first grade. And, and back in those days, you could easily play three games in, in the one day. Yeah. As I said, Tuesday, we used to train all together, you know, so you had, you'd mixed up and, you know, the, the front rows would be training together and doing certain things and stuff and you felt part of the club you know and it was a big thing and you go down you know you used to go and watch the third grade watch the reserve grade then they did bring in under 23s I think was the first one yeah it was a big thing for for the club well before we get into your uh, premiership winning years tell us about your first grade debut Alan and (laughs) I was a winger (laughs) I've never played wing in my life Uh, and I was up at Penrith God, what was his name? Dave Irvine, I think he was, and he was the fastest man in Australia at that time. And I scored three tries against him. <laughs> you know, so and we won like forty-eight to six or whatever it was, five in those days or something. So uh, it was it was a big thing. Mate, I'm surprised it's not a movie. That'd be sensational. <laughs> the fastest man in Australia. Outscored, outplayed by the man who's never played on the wing before. I'd be, I'd be claiming that you'd take the title as the fastest man in Australia. <laughs> to be, to be fair, so uh, <laughs> uh, wasn't wasn't my strength. Obviously, Manly then win the uh, premiership in nineteen seventy three. Like you said, you played in the uh, seventy three reserve grade grand final winning team for the Seagulls. Seventy six grand final, they beat Parramatta thirteen to ten. 
looking through some of the great names over the years that you played with. Look at this side. In Graham, that side, yeah. Yeah, Graeme Eady, Tom Mooney, Russell Gartner, Bob Fulton, captain. Tell us about Bozo and captaining that side and what was it like? Oh, you know, Bozo was, was a unique player. He was just one of those guys who could um, put the ball over the line, make something out of nothing in lots of ways. You wouldn't say he was a great team player, but he was but he was a freak at getting the ball over the line. And, and you've got to have those type of players. But, yeah, like Edie, Edie's my age. And I think he'd come from the Central Coast when he was about 17, playing lower grades and stuff. He, he, he was freakish. And when you're an old 5'8", and you've got a fullback like him coming into the back line, he can make you look good. Absolutely. Well, speaking of looking good, back in those days, 76, Alan Thompson, the hair boxy, had the flowing black long hair. Now he's still got it now. He's got the grey hair. It's probably not flowing, but it's sil- Silver fox. The silver, <laughs> the silver fox, fox But, uh, Alan, you told me before off air that uh, there was a reason for that. Uh, basically, you didn't want to get the haircut. Well, in those days, in my first year and stuff, um, I wasn't earning a lot of money. Couldn't afford a haircut. But no one, no one had haircuts. You might get one cut once a year, you know, under desperation. So. That's what Cuzzo gets now, once a year, isn't it, Cuzzo? <laughs> true, true. Yeah, There's nothing, the yeah, nothing wrong with a shiny head. But uh, obviously, uh, what was it like at the SCG, playing at the, the famous old ground where every Saturday that was the match of the day venue? It was, yeah. And um, Miami played a lot of Saturday games, mm. which was a match of, round, match of the round type of thing. And I can remember going over, I think it was a semi-final in one of those, and um, we broke down on the bridge. We had to wait <laughs> to get transported over. I think it was um, probably Maxi Krulich was with us. In those days, it was just a big experience, you know. I, I would have, I'd laugh to, to watch um, Des these days if they broke down on the Harbour Bridge. The, you know, <laughs> you'd be able to see the blood pressure just starting to rise. And, you know, the, the SCG, though, as a, as a ground, like we got to play there a few times in, in my time. And, mm. and it was it was really special, you know, completely different to the grounds that you look at now, like, for instance, your Bankwest or, uh, or Suncorp, which, you know, you're so close to the action. But... The amount of history that's associated with the SCG, and we got to we got to get changed in the Australian dressing rooms, yeah. and so I of course got stuck with Tubby Taylor's thing, which is the boys thought was pretty funny, but it was a unique experience and something that I'm really glad and, and to be able to play there every day because it would have been a completely different ground then too. It would have been Hill for for summer. Hill, yes, yep, yep. Yes. So as opposed to it all being enclosed mm, yeah, uh, yeah. now, but yeah, so much character and so much. When you uh, first history. played there, because the grandstands were rugby league, it was for cricket. It was hard to get the Jennifer, but we we used to play there a lot, so you sort of got used to it. And they used to play the other one where the ground is now, yep. uh, which used to run east west. So the sun was in your eyes after time, you know. It was a hard. It was Rooster's home home ground thing. Yeah, and uh, that that was a hard game to play at. Yeah. Yeah, the Sydney Showground. There. The now Showground. Yeah. Became the uh, Sydney Football Stadium, Allianz Stadium, Allianz. and yeah. now it's nothing it's at the a moment. Pa- it's a patch of dirt at the moment. It's a patch of dirt. But, yeah. uh, now speaking of uh, great grounds, obviously back to the SCG, nineteen seventy eight, uh, the famous two grand finals in three days. Obviously, uh, the first grand finals we all know, eleven all draw. Describe that feeling. It's the first time it's 11-all draw. Yeah. And you get told, did you know, A, that it, if it was going to be a draw, you would have to back up? Or B, did they tell you afterwards? No. Well, you know, we, we'd already had a draw with Parramatta. Mm. So we'd already had a midweek replay. Look, 78's pretty special for, mm. for the club and, and anyone in that team. The games we played in 24 days, whatever it was, six games or something. And, and you know, coming into the first game, you'd like to say we'd play extra time. Would have been good, but just wasn't happening. Would you like and at the end of the game, we just stood and looked at each other. So, <laughs> what's going on? What, we... what's, what, what is happening? Yeah, next try wins. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, um, 
we've recovered better than the Sharks. And, yeah. Know, um, Crazy to think that you have to, you know, to replay a grand final, you know, the, the amount of passion and the lead up to it and, and sort of, you know, the energy that you, that you burn and excitement and nerves and, yeah. uh, and that sort of thing to then have to back that up is, is just a phenomenal effort because, you know, that's, uh, it's obviously what's the biggest game in, in our uh, yeah. competition. Yeah. And, and I reckon that's just a, that's just an unbelievable effort to do that in, um, yeah. yeah. In the and it was a Tuesday. Time. It was well, a Tuesday say, the, the, the grand final finals on a Saturday, 51,000, 51,500 on a Saturday. Three days later, they back up. They still get over 33,000 fans on a Tuesday to watch Manly win 16-0 to claim our fourth premiership. Describe that feeling, Alan. Like, you, you talked about how many games. Like, there was three semifinals and two grand finals in 16 days. Like, these days, they're professional athletes with the recovery sessions and the treatment they get is phenomenal. Mm. But back in those days, yeah. Alan, I imagine the if you're sore, the bruises, you just had to keep going. Well, yeah, we're all working. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And working in between. There you um, go. Probably in the last two or three weeks, because we said we had a couple of replays. Um, there wasn't a lot of work getting done, so we were nearly full time, which is which is in those days was very rare. I don't know exactly what happened with the Sharks. Um, they had their chance to win that first game. They can talk about Hartley and all the crap that was going on with Manly, <laughs> but you know he gave them a penalty forty metres out, pretty well in front, and Steve Rogers missed a kick, mm. which would have won on the competition, which would have been big. We were leading fifteen 0 at half time in that replay. We just hung them hung them out after that which you could in those days a bit harder to do in under the day's rules but um in that regard they'd had a few injuries they didn't recover as well as we did but that that's a big thing for us for, for the players involved and the celebrations like you think okay we've we've had a draw so you really can't celebrate you've got to come back a couple of days later and then you get you win on the tuesday so was it was there a big party still at the least club on a tuesday night like yeah there was um plus they Announced the kangaroo side, yeah, because we had to leave on a Friday, so yeah, that was a pretty rushy type thing, yeah. Um, and we had, I think we had seven or eight players in that yeah, squad. seven, yeah, seven, seven players, players from Manly in that squad, yeah. 78 kangaroo tour. So, uh, before we get to that, Alan, uh, obviously, uh, congratulations for you, daily in captain of the year in 1983, uh, as well. Um, and growing up, one of the great traditions was the midweek competition. The Panasonic Cup, or back in your days, Alan, I say this with great respect, the KB Cup, Leichhardt Oval on a Wednesday night. How good was that? Look, we won 82 and 83. Um, but, of course, we lost grand finals in 82, 83. So I, I know which one I would have preferred. <laughs> um, and I, I really think the, those, those midweek comps did cost us the grand finals, unfortunately. Mm. Um, but, you know, in those days, you just play. And if you're good enough, you're good enough. Well, speaking of playing, we're going to come back because we've just heard the halftime siren here on our uh, podcast with Alan Thompson. We're going to take a quick break, hear from our sponsors, and we'll be back with one of Manly's great legends, Alan Thompson. The Golden Eagles podcast is proudly presented by Wormald, a classic sponsor of the Manly Warringah Sea Eagles. Wormald is a leading provider of fire protection solutions, helping to protect Australian people and property for over 130 years. Wormald's expertise spans the design, manufacture, installation and service of fire safety products and equipment, backed up with a comprehensive range of fire services, from engineering advice to fire safety training. You can rely on Wormald to help protect you. Visit wormald.com.au. And welcome back to our podcast chat with Alan Thompson. Boxy's freshened up. You had a little halftime break there. 
halftime break, mate. You know, quick uh, glass of water and, uh, and a quick stretch, ready to go. Yeah, back in Alan's days, halftime break, what was it? Orange, the old oranges? Uh, yeah. Um, I don't even remember now. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was a while ago. It there was, was a while true, ago. There true. Was, there was beers in the boxes, but we waited till after the game, I think, well, for those. Smart move, smart move. Well, we're going to uh, talk about Alan's uh, wonderful representative career now, Boxy, because uh, just look at some of these stats. Uh, he, he touched on the Kangaroo Tour, and we really want to go into that with him shortly, but four appearances for New South Wales City first from 1979 to 1984, four games for New South Wales, 79 to 80, uh, six appearances for New South Wales State of Origin from 1980 to 84. But the one that stands out was the inaugural New South Wales State of Origin match in 1980, Lang Park. Everyone remembers for Arthur Beetson and Mick Cronin. Alan, you were there. Describe that feeling, the first State of Origin, the intense rivalry. Before that, it was New South Wales always dominated. And then all of a sudden, this concept called Origin is born. It certainly was. Um, and look, I, 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 for me, it was, it was set up by Queensland, for Queensland in those days. We'd just come back from a, the Australian tour to New Zealand. So we're going to have this game. Oh, yeah, okay. Well, and and, uh, and I, I know from the, the players who were there, Queensland knew their team two or three weeks ahead. I didn't know I was in the side till Sunday night. We, and we played Tuesday. So, you know, the preparation wasn't great. You know, you go to the medical on Monday morning. Was there a bonding session? My, my, <laughs> no. my, my recollection of uh, any origin teams or, or you know, I, junior origin well, teams. Were... I said, Sunday night, they named your team. Monday teams. morning, you go to medical. We flew up to Queensland. Um, Tuesday play. Mon yeah, a few beers on Monday night uh, and play Tuesday. Okay. Um, look, Queensland were far better prepared for it. It was two tries each. Yeah, but it was a, it was a good game of football. They were chewed up for it. The crowd loved it, yeah, and, and, and kicked off what we have today. Is you know, look, yeah. you know, the pinnacle. It was, and it was a, a one-off game. Yeah. It really, I think eighty-one was a one-off game. We didn't play in the eighty-one one. Eighty-two, it went to we a three-game series. But you know, if New South Wales wins eighty eighty-one, might have died. Mm -hmm. You know, it was that's what it was about. When you look back on Origin now, it's forty years this year. Come November, when we play the Origin. Does it give you a sense of pride knowing that you were a part of this oh, original one? And absolutely. You still, do you still have any of the New South Wales gear? Do you? Yes. Yeah, yeah, you still yeah, got it? I have. Yep. It's in storage at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> Kennards. I've, I've moved out. It's in <laughs> Kennards. That's right. Okay. So uh, obviously uh, for, your, for your own family, your children um, and then grandchildren, obviously it's just a wonderful tale to, to tell that you played Origin for New South Wales. Oh, absolutely. Mm. Um, as you say, uh, in, in, at the time, you thought oh, just, we're having a one-off game, and it may, may kick on, it may not. Um, but what it became was was something special, mm -hmm. you know. Um, but yeah, they used to bus us down Claxton Street, where Plus all the, the pubs pub. were open. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you yeah. know, and the old Lang Park in those days too. You know, and you had to go. We had to go through the clubhouse, through the bar to get to the dressing room. 
you know, I'm, that was set up by Queensland, I'm sure. <laughs> Absolutely. QRL. Well, wait, as, as a 17-year-old kid from Cootamundra, yeah. which a bit of an affinity there with, with, with Tomo, with his eldest son, Dale, I played there in, uh, before I moved out or away from Cootamundra, the, uh, made an under-17s um, state of origin mm. time from, you know, from little old Cootamundra. We got to play at Lang Park as well, so similar to the SCG, but just, you know, the, the chicken wire fences with the yeah. Queenslanders on one side and all these young blokes that, that like Mark O'Mealy and Mark Asnier and all these sorts of guys and the Queensland fans. Now that, that And they drove us past the Caxon as well. As soon as yeah. they saw anything New South Wales, they were <laughs> pegging stuff at us. And being young blokes, we gave a bit of cheek back, don't you worry. But it, it was a pretty um, it, it was a pretty awesome feeling going yeah, past. Yeah, sure it, you was. Know? At the time, uh, you didn't know whether it's going to be a, a series that lasts or not. Uh, these days they say rugby league, the pinnacle is origin. For you, Alan, obviously played for Australia. That's what it's all about, representing your country. In 1978, you go on the kangaroo tour. Now, growing up, Boxy, everyone used to love watching those kangaroo tours. For me, I know it was all about the test matches, but Alan, I used to love the midweek games as well. Uh, maybe back then you probably didn't play as many of those midweek games, but tell us about the 78 kangaroo tour to Great Britain and France. You're, well, you're yeah, I, I played matches. a lot of the midweek games because yep. I, I, I was reserving the test mainly. Yep. There was only two reserves in those days, back and a forward dog, I think. Yeah, you, you get on for 10 minutes or so or 15 minutes, whatever it is, unless someone really got injured. Uh, so I played a lot of midweek games and, and uh, it's a lot of travelling and you're playing in all, all around the country. Do you but, have yeah. a favourite ground that you look back on and you say, geez, I enjoyed playing at that yeah, ground? Well, that no, the, yeah, you played at Leeds. and um, Head, Headingley's a pretty special ground. Headingley, like, yeah. Especially when you've got the Yorkshire locals in there and they the thing about the Poms is they just cheer and chant and chant and chant. Sing, and makes, sing. Yeah, yeah, and sing. You know, you, you might have 10,000 people there. It sounds like 50. Yeah, yeah it is. And, uh, I mean, Yorkshire was where rugby league was the head, head of it. So. Play at Nosley Road, uh, St. Helens, home ground, are they? Uh, it's another one similar to, to Headingley, yeah. but, you know, and they just cheered and cheered and cheered, which is, you know, which is pretty, pretty, pretty cool. Well, from the 78 Kangaroo Tour, then you're back up in 79 for the uh, Kangaroo team to play Great Britain for each test matches. Uh, a very special moment for Australia back then. It was. Uh, it was the first time they, we clean swiped them 3 mm. 0. So that, that, that was a. You know, an important thing. Tommy Rodonicus, Mick Cronin, Steve Rogers. Yeah, they went. They went a fair side, but to win three nil, which was the first time ever. Again, that's something unique. You know. Can I ask you about Tommy Rodonicus? I've had a little bit to do with him over the years, but what was he like back then as a player? We we see the vision of him, his toughness, but what was he like as a character back Look, then? He, he was mentally, he was nuts to tell you the truth. But he was a funny guy. He was better to play with than to play against. Because he didn't know the crap out. He wouldn't matter who it was. It didn't matter who, how big you were, he, he'd take you on. But, you know, a terrific guy and very competitive. The Manly West thing that was going on in the 78, 79 under Roy Masters, you know, you got Boydie, Tommy, you know, they believed anything Roy Masters would tell him. Yeah, we had some rough fights, but some great games of football were played at Brookie and Lidcombe Oval. And that's the thing. That's one of the great grounds lost to rugby league these days, isn't it? The old Lidcombe Oval. Lidcombe Oval, yeah. yeah. The old uh, cycle track around the outside of it. And, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, a lot, a lot of grounds did. You yeah. Know. Well, yeah. Brookie Oval did originally. Yep. And yep. Uh, yeah, Henson Park, Henson Newtown, yeah. Yep. So then uh, 1980 comes around, the Kangaroo team to tour New Zealand, two test matches, two tries. Uh, tell us about your first try for Australia. I was playing 5-8, obviously. Uh, yeah, we had a few moves and there was a lot of fighting in the Kiwis were really trying to get us. You know, we just sort of wore them down, basically. I was more of a setter-upper than a scorer. 
Uh, but, you know, I, 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 got, I got a couple of tries, and which is good. I thought you were going to say you are more of a uh, lover, not a fighter. <laughs> How'd you go in the old? How'd you go in the old? Yeah, no, I, I, you'd get into a fight, but yeah, you don't want to get in too early. Yeah, <laughs> smart. That's why he's in the <laughs> halves. Yeah, that's, that's why right. he's a half back. That's why he's yeah. still looking good today. Yeah, there you go. Right. I'm yeah, looking yeah. at your boxy. So there you go, <laughs> yeah. uh, Alan. Obviously, after your great playing career, uh, you turn your hand to coaching. You coach Manly's reserve grade team from 1985 to 1988. You win the 1988 reserve grade grand final. Tell us about that special moment as a coach this time. Yeah, well. I retired because there was an opportunity to get into coaching, you know, under Bozo um, in 85. We got beat in the 87 grand final, which obviously the first grade won against Penrith, I think it was in those days, uh, which we thought we should have won. But 88, we got back up and won, beat the Roosters, which is always good. Uh, And that was a, a great team. Okay, now 1989, following Bob Fulton's appointment as Australian coach, you get appointed as the first grade coach of the Manly Seagulls. Tell us about your, your coaching back then and any particular ways or methods. Were you prepared for that role at the time? Yeah, look, uh, Manly was going through a bit of a change, admin and so forth. I, I actually never signed a contract. I was, I was thinking, do I really want to do this under the situation that was going on? We had, I think there was six or seven players playing in England in the off-season. We're coming back a week week before the comp starts. I got a tip from Boydie. There's a rumour of Graham Lowe's coming over to coach. I said, oh, probably quite possible. He said, I wasn't contracted. But anyway, I, I suck it out. Mm. Uh, it was a tough year. We lost our first four games and, and we were un, under pressure. But, you know, we, we, we got back to, I think we just missed out on the semis in the end. But um, but we're going through a change. Sounds like the pressures of uh, of the coaching gig are always always been apparent and 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 haven't changed. Yeah, no. the scrutiny that that they come under these days is oh, is phenomenal. You it's know, unbelievable, isn't it? And there's so many more mediums to to voice your opinion. I guess you know uh, in social media these days. But um, oh yeah, yeah it's, uh, it's certainly the the pressure's never off the. Well, back uh, off in those days, stuff. social media used to mean being social friendly to the media. I know you'd actually and have now, to go and talk to someone. <laughs> right. How about yeah. that? Yeah. So, but look to Alan's credit after what happened in 1989 he stuck around and he was still involved in coaching you you went and coached the Harold Matthews team from 1992 to 1993 then the SG ball team so for those people that's the under 16s and the under 18s tell us about that experience nurturing this young talent coming through and have you got some of those names you can share who did kick on under Alan Thompson as coach of the lower grades uh, well me boys were playing and the Fulton's kids were playing I thought I could do a good job, which, which we, we had a little bit of success. And in the end, guys like, say, Frankie Panisi, who's now tied up with Melbourne, was here for a long time, Frankie. He went and coached the younger son, uh, and they got into the grand finals in, I think, the Jersey flag and stuff. So, yeah, coaching the junior stuff was a lot better than it is today, the junior comps, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, it was, and it was a big thing, yeah. Well, uh, looking back on your career, obviously as a player and as a coach, uh, some wonderful memories for you, Alan. Today, what are you doing? What's Alan Thompson doing today? I, I've retired, actually, and I'm, but I'm, <laughs> I'm building a house and, <laughs> and uh, I've been trying to uh, get my golf handicap down, but I haven't played since Christmas because of the pandemic thing. Tell and, us about your golf game. What's, how do you go? Oh, look, I've been playing 30-odd years, and I'm playing off 20, I think, now. I've played off 18 for a long time, which is stroke a hole, which is simple. I just enjoy it. I used to play over the over in the city. My old boss was a, on the director there, but I joined Longreef a few years ago, and it's a great course. 
Well, speaking of old bosses, you worked in plumber supplies. I did. I did for a long time. Actually, I started out at old Graham's Hardware at Narrabeen, which is Bunnings now, when I, when I left school. And when I went to grade, I was still there. And uh, But I went there in 86 and I was there for 30 years. Mm. And you served time on the uh, Manly District as a board member and the Lease Club? Yeah, still on. Still on as a, the footy club and the Lease Club. Um, Gives you great satisfaction, great joy still to be involved? Yeah, tough in the, in the, since Christmas <laughs> with you know, the Lease Club. The footy clubs you know, start to regather some momentum, I think. It's good to have um, you know people who understand the fabric of the club on, on the boards there. Yeah. You know, the Leaguesy, obviously, as well, uh, Leaguesy and the District Football Club, you know, all integral parts of what makes up the Seagulls as a, as a whole. So uh, it's, it's great that, uh, that Tomo and, and a lot of other former you know, legends of the club are on there still donating their time. I think, it, I think it's key moving forward and key to bringing the whole place back together. Exactly. Yeah. And, and one last question I'm going to ask Alan, and this reflects on you, Mark, as well. Golden Eagles Day down there at Lotto Land. Yeah. Mark's obviously him involved in that. Uh, tell us about what Golden Eagles Day means to you and the chances, not just to catch up with former teammates, but anyone who's been involved in the Manly Seagulls over the years. Well, yeah, the Golden Eagles, a lot of it used to be about, you know, first grade players. They used to have first grade reunions and so forth. But the Golden Eagles involved with everyone. I said, when I started, we had 60 players used to train together you know that was the club and uh yeah we, we all supported each other and I, I think it's a great thing and and it's and it's it's grown you know and and everyone supports it and you got we got members as you say up the gold coast in the bush uh, it's, a, it's a big part really great well uh may long it continues so well done now alan uh congratulations on your wonderful career again two-time premiership winning player for the manly seagulls 1976 1978 over 260 first grade games boxing it's been an absolute pleasure hasn't it to catch up with one of manly's quality halves in alan thompson always a pleasure to catch up with tomo alan thanks for your time Thank and you, uh we look forward to seeing you again soon yep sure will This has been the Golden Eagles podcast, presented by Wormald and recorded in the studios of Manly Media partner ASCII Live Media. You can follow the Sea Eagles on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. For more episodes and other official Sea Eagles podcast channel shows, head to seaeagles.com.au forward slash podcast. This has been an ASCII Live Media production for the Manly Warringah Seagulls official podcast channel. 